that's awesome. And so, believe it or not, you are designed to breathe and live and walk out your days in the kingdom of God. Who believes that? And so, that's hopefully where you will end up in your days of living. Um, the challenge is, is that you have an independent spirit, that you have a free will to choose where you want to live. Now, if that was the same for my TV set, it could choose to jump into my pool. Uh, thank God my TV set doesn't have a free will and it stays on the cabinet in my lounge room and, uh, and when I need to watch it, it responds accordingly. But we're not robots, we are people with a free will. Amen? And so we, we navigate the choice of um, choosing, choosing to respond and acknowledge our Creator. And it's a wonderful day when you do. It truly is. Uh, and then He empowers you with His love, which is tremendous, because we can go searching for love in all the wrong places, amen. But, um, and then we can get caught up in false worship. I used to love music in the 70s. I used to worship music, in fact. Used to see all the bands, import all the albums, and uh, just love music. It was one of my idols. It was on the, it was on the, you know, it was on the, what is it, the, um, the altar of my heart, you would say. And so, but that didn't satisfy. And so in the end, I acknowledged that everything I had experienced in my life just really didn't fully satisfy me. And so, late 70s, I think it was, I had a, an encounter with God, and I gave my life to the Lord. And I said a simple prayer. That prayer will be offered at the end of this, this message. Amen? And uh, it's a simple prayer of acknowledging, believing in your heart, and acknowledging with your words that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's a beautiful day when you do that, because boom, the lights turn on and He empowers you to realize your best life. And the saints say, Amen. Well, all right, I said that because I've got some newcomers. You can take a seat. Um, this message is called The Tension of Transition. And um, yes, we are navigating, I believe, all of us, we're navigating a new season. A season whereby I think was probably kicked in in 2020, 21, there's various uh, or, or, or varied assumptions when these things happen, and I don't want to get too date conscious, but I will say, I love this statement, people say that God never shuts one door without opening another one. That may well be true, but, but they never tell you about the hallway in between. I'll say that again. People say that God never shuts one door without opening another one. That may well be true, but they never tell you about the hallway in between. And you know what? As a minister, I've got to be able to lead God's people through the dilemma called life. And man, I've got to be on my game. I tell you, man, I've got to, I've got to be able to be 
understanding the times and the seasons we live in. I want to talk about that. And, and I've got to be able to say something to the church that helps them in their dilemma, if they're in transition and feel they're in tra- transition, and if they indeed feel like they've, a, a door has opened and they are in the hallway, I better have something wonderful to say. I better have something revelatory to say. Revelation. I'm talking about revelation. I could talk uh, about a basic Bible story. But I think right now we need more than that in the church. We need to be led through a very difficult time where the world now is encroaching upon us like you wouldn't believe. They're actually trying to shut us down as Christians. And I might even talk about that, might even touch. Would you help me preach this message this morning? Would you? Would he, could he, should he? And he did. It's one thing to receive a vision, what God could be saying. We receive some kind of prophetic revelation, a picture, a word, uh, a vision, but we don't know what it means or what to do with it. Let me just tell you this. There are always three aspects of prophecy, and that is revelation, interpretation, and application. First, revelation, and by I need to back it up by saying this. When Jesus asked Peter, who do they say they, that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. You're the Son of God. Well done, Peter. This is the Apostle Peter. Well done, Peter. And upon that revelation, I'm going to build my church, not so much on the Apostle Peter where we have another denomination that believe in popes and, and so forth. Um, no, it, it, our life is built by revelation. The church is built by revelation. You know what I'm saying? And you've got to have fresh revelation for your life, even in general, for your health. I'm getting revelation all, all the time, how to fine-tune my health. One of the great revelations we had about five, six years ago, thank you, Jesse, my daughter, was sugar. And uh, we went, man, sugar's bad for you. No, we got to get rid of that sugar, man. In three months, we purged our bodies of sugar. And it's the best thing I ever did. And so God gives you illumination. God gives you revelation to deal with natural life. Amen? Am I speaking to someone? Now it's someone's guilty because they eat too much sugar. Revelation meaning what God is saying. What do you see? What do you sense? And what do you hear? The second one is interpretation. What does it mean? It's almost like translating God's language into your language. That's why we need, you know, prophetic people. And third, application. What am I supposed to do with it? What does this mean to me practically, in a practical sense? So as I said this, as a leader of God's church, I need to understand the prophetic timeline we're in. I need to have a prophetic vision of us going forward. Hence, that's why I believe Vision Builders this year was so important. It was, I think we rebooted vision again for this church. We could have done it as a program. We know how to do Vision Builders. We can 
put the program into place and ask people to give uh, to the vision, which is what Vision Builders is about. And can I just say, $120,000 thus far in Vision Builders. 120,000. Now, we're, we're believing for 170, 73 actually, we've done the budget and it's 173. But well done, church, that is amazing. But we sensed, I sensed that vision was being challenged. The vision of our church was being challenged. So we brought to bear prayer and we brought to bear even the ministers that were here on the gala night. What are these guys here doing? I think it was like this term I got, um, uh, circle the wagons. Uh, not much good for you if you haven't watched cowboy movies, but <laughs> if you're traversing, if you're, if you're exploring the West, uh, adventuring out West, uh, as they did the pilgrims and then, you know, the invaders, uh, we don't like to see, say what they were, but they, they, you know, they would try and kill them. And, and so surround the, the wagons and, and protect the families, the children, and, you know, protect your livelihood by, you know, basically um, putting yourself in a defensive mode. But it wasn't so much that, it was like we need to solidify what our vision is. We need to determine what we're actually doing as a church. And I felt this year through Vision Builders that we desperately needed to um, really help the people of God because we had a lot of new people come on board. We needed to help those people understand what truly we were doing with the time, the talent, the treasure of the Lord's people. Amen? Because that should be asked, actually. What are we doing with that? What, what, well, we, can, we did. We explained all that. So... And so, prophetic vision is important. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, and it's in the Amplified Version, where there is no vision, no prophetic vision, that meaning no revelation of God and His Word, the people were unrestrained. That means that you're unrestrained in what you do with your finances, what you do with your health. If you've got no vision for your health, you just do crazy stuff. You'll eat two liters of ice cream and, uh, and you'll sit on the couch for hours on end. But, you know, so I'm talking about spiritual revelation of what does it mean to come to church, to belong to church? W what is my revelation in that? What is my understanding and revelation? So the Bible says, where there is no vision, no revelation of God, His Word, the people are restrained, but happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Now, 1 Samuel 3, 1, I'm not going to read it, talks about the visions were very lean. The vi they weren't having visions, but then, then Samuel, there's a story about Samuel, that he hears God. And wow, this is, a, this is a breakthrough moment. And then Amos 8, 11, 12, now I've got to read this, I wasn't going to, but this is probably some of the dilemma that the church is facing right now, where we're not we're scrambling trying to realize that we're in a new season, in a new era, and some people are not realizing what new era and new season they are in. And it goes like this. Amos explains it like this. Amos uh, 8 verse 11 says, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food, 
uh, or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now, I'm hearing some stories that, you know, even church is not offering the word that is needed for the now. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and that's, look, I'll be honest, that's not a great day. We could easily do church by reputation and tradition. And, and, and look, just offer you a place to worship and give and hear a word and then toddle off home and back to your life citizens. We could do that. But for me, I didn't give my life, I didn't put my family on the front line of, of, of the spiritual battle we're in for that. I gave it to be like, who am I thinking now? Maybe Mel Gibson, uh, you know, half a blue face, brave heart. That's the sort of deal that I signed up for as God's leader. Amen? I didn't get into it to be probably that pastoral, but I, I, I did it to be more apostolic and prophetic, which is, a, which is more robust ministry, I'll just say that. It's a more robust, it's, 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 it's propositioning a more dramatic view of your life positioned as a born-again believer in the kingdom of God. Did that make sense? Yeah, you're saved. You're more than a conqueror. You're born again, you're spirit-filled. It's awesome. You're called to rule and reign, but, you know, you, you, you got to know that there's going to be an opposition. There's going to be uh, a weather pattern, a spiritual weather pattern that will oppose you. So I need to see and hear what God is saying, and I need to walk in the time that God has for us, and especially for you and I. We need to understand the time, the seasons, and not wander through life and not understand that God is a very present help for us. Now, I just got to, man, this, this message is quite pertinent to what, what I'm thinking right now. And it's kind of a big message, but I want to say this to you, Psalm 46 verse 1, and again, I haven't given it to the team but it talks about God is a very present help. Can I just say this? I feel like the Word of God needs to be very prescriptive, like medicine, you know, these days. That's how I feel. I said that to another minister. We've got to be careful in what we're saying to the church because I believe it needs to be prescriptive for the time we're living in. Does that make sense? And this is what I want to say to you. If you're struggling, you feel like you're in a transition and that you, you know you need to move forward out of the, the, the hallway into the new thing that God has got for you and you're stuck maybe, you're in a dilemma. But I want to tell you this, that God is a very present, present help and He's probably trying to get your attention and he's probably offering way more than what you can even imagine or even bargain for. 
And sometimes you'll find that in this church on the altar. You know, we preach a message, that was all right, open up the altar, whoa, hang on, what's happening now? The Spirit of God, the power of God's been released. And people are trading in their sorrow and people are being delivered and saved and set free. And there's so much available, so much resource of the kingdom. When you live in the kingdom, it is absolutely amazing. But you, if you live in just Christendom, if you live in Christendom, I mean, it can actually get a bit pedestrian, a bit mediocre. Uh, you know, it, it can get a bit average, in fact. So for me, I'm always vying through the worship. I just love our worship. I just find gr so much opportunity to be able to press in. Sorry, the camera crew is upset with me. They're zooming in, they're zooming out. Um, I, I just find that there's, you need to extrapolate, extrapolate when you, even in life, even in your day, but especially in church where you've got the corporate anointing when everyone is pushing towards God and, and, and causing a, you know, a sense of occasion and, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're pressing in and the corporate anointing is lending itself to, you know, the, the Lord to be here, you need to, man, you need to press in and, 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 and you know, and, and, and get what God is doing. But it only comes by faith. So, instead of getting up and going through the motions all day and not expecting God to do anything, we need to ask and we need to seek and knock, and I'm getting somewhere with this, and believe in the manifestation that you are hoping for. And there's this scripture that I think we need to use as a rule of thumb just for living and, un and even just to be able to grow up into and mature through. And it's this, it is the asking and seeking and knocking um, and believing that in your time of living, you can see a manifestation of God in your world. So let's read that scripture. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I'll just back that up again and say that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if a son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so when you live in that expectation of God meeting you in the now time, you, we talk about this scripture living by faith now. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance, hang on, let's back it up. Now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So yesterday's, you know, heroic acts and glory days and what you believed you need to reassess everything in a given day to have now faith. 
and it's now faith. So how do I do that? I live a lot of days where it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a house worker, I'm a housewife, I'm a mother, I'm really busy and you've got to find a time in that day to redeem the time, redeem that day and, and we could use this scripture, Ephesians 5.13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, thank you Lord, for whatever makes manifest is light. Ephesians 5.14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will shine his light on you. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now here it is, redeeming, redeeming the time because the days are evil, the days are busy, the days are perilous, the days are stressful. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the the will of the Lord is. Now I'm speaking to you as mature Christians. You need to know and understand what the Lord's will is in every day that you live. Otherwise, you're going to lose traction, lose ground, you're going to get disorientated. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Well, let's just say this, do not get drunk, uh, do not uh, get inebriated by the things of the world. Not even talking about alcohol. Don't get inebriated by the things of the world, meaning get, you know, but be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Just put your hands out like this. Father God, I just pray that you'd fill me right now with your spirit. Fill me. Now, the second most important scripture you can pray to live in God's now time is Jeremiah 33, 3. And it says this, call to me and I will answer you and tell you and even show you great and mighty things, things which have been confined and hidden which you do not know and understand and cannot even distinguish. That's what it says in the Amplified. Don't you love the Amplified Bible? So when, you un- when you're living in the now time, when you're living in the proper time frame of being present with the Lord, it's then when you can minister to people when you're out and about and also, as a prophetic people, you can go out and about and bring an accurate word of wisdom or knowledge to where they're at. Otherwise, when you meet that person, you're just stuck in the wandering time zone. I'm just wandering. I'm just a- ambling, wandering. And then you meet so oh, hi, you wondering too? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Life is busy. Life is, wow. Yeah. I wish I was back in church. But when you're prophetic, you've prayed in the morning, you've done your devotions, you've got now faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, you can see that life and you go, friend, you're drifting. You're, you're going to drift on the rocks. Friend, I can see you're struggling. Friend, I can see you need a word in season. The Lord's speaking to me right now, and He says to you, my friend, this. And that's where evangelism is. That's exactly where evangelism is. When you're in your right mind, right heart, now time, now, when you're present with the Lord because He's 
an ever-present help to you. And you're living in the kingdom that you're not living in the tradition of believing in Jesus and meandering through life. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, you, you're living at attention. You're living in this, this, this nanosecond responsive. I tell you what, it gets fun when you do that. Then you can introduce people to God's will for their life. So when I pray, I hear God say this, Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, Ooh, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The world's trying to put fear on us. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar in trouble, usually when it says when the waters are troubled and roar, it means the nations are roaring. Though the mountains shake with its swelling, more governmental systems shaking, Commerce shaking, economy shaking. 46 verse 4, there is but, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, of all this shaking, of all this transitional time that we're in. She shall not be removed. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Friends, we are living in a different time. We're living in uncharted territory. A new season has begun for the church, the body of Christ on the earth. I announce it, I declare it. We are in a new season and we need now faith to be able to respond. We need eyes of faith, prophetic eyes to strategize our way forward as a church, as a people, as a family, as our businesses to accomplish and fulfill that which God has intended for us as assignments in and on our life. Let's pray this for our church. Let's all pray it together maybe. Thanksgiving, this is a prayer from Apostle uh, Paul, and he's praying for people like us. And he says in Ephesians 1.15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, you can say it with me if you like, verse 16, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Welcome back, Katrina. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, in the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know that this is the hope of His calling, that are the riches of His glorious, of His inheritance in the saints. 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places? 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in which is to come. Amen. But He put all things under His feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church that's how magnificent the church is which is his body the fullness of him who fills all 
all in all. That's very important. I'm glad I, I realized that. So this is talking about the sovereignty and the sufficiency of God. That is why the church is so powerful in this day and age. We are the pillar of truth. We are the assembly of the saints, the ecclesia, ecclesia, the called out ones, it would say, the called out ones. We are ratifying good decisions for our community and for the people out and about. Amen. Who's into that? Can I get an I? I, yeah. And you know, so we're ratifying that the Central Coast will be saved. Amen. I, amen. That we shall prosper, that no disease will come near our tent. Amen, or our bodies. <laughs> I shouldn't speak in modern language, should I? <laughs> we, we ratify, Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty. I, He's the King of glory. I, He's the Prince of Peace. I, <laughs> see, we're ratifying things. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that the people gathered, they reveal the manifold wisdom of God into the heavenlies. Every time we say something like that, we have, we have permission to bring that before the throne of grace and declare that into the heavenlies. It's powerful stuff, man. That's why, you know, when you get, a, when you get a, 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 an understanding of what your spoken word can do, there's life and death in the power of the tongue, Amen. So we need an overcoming spirit. That means like what Pastor Julie's been telling us, in Christ. We are in Christ to live in this new season. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us how to live our life founded upon the fear of the Lord. Abiding in an intimate place of knowing God and walking from a victorious perspective through storms, trials, and tribulations of life. Now, I just said something very profound, and it's actually where I want to get to, and it's about this. It's about the fear of God. I believe God is returning the fear of God back to the church. Okay, I need to just crunch a little bit more before I get there. This scripture, and I used it a couple of weeks ago, Isaiah 43, verse 18 it says, and it's talking about this new season that we've got to apprehend and realize and stand in. And it says in uh, Isaiah 43, verse 18, do not remember the former things. Do not consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Can I just say to you, hang on, hang on. Can I do, just say to you, God is doing a new thing right now. He, he's doing a new thing right now. He's definitely doing something new and he's saying something new. And he's up to something new. And, and he's giving us, he's giving us the wherefore, he's giving us the revelation to bring us into the now, not through the tradition and the, the history we have in him. And this is what this scripture is about. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, this scripture is, is about, and it was for, we should remember that the original hearers of the scripture where the Jewish people of the kingdom of Judea in Israel during the 6th century BC in the years leading up to their captivity, this scripture was given. Later, they would reflect upon these prophetic words as a message of hope after they had been through a time, now this is going to be for someone, 
after they had been through a time of severe judgment of the Lord upon the nation. You remember the Israelis were, you know, the people of God were, were taken over, invaded by the Babylonians. And they suffered even destruction to their holy temple, to their city Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonians. And the Lord gave them this prophetic promise of a new thing. So we've all been through COVID and God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Once COVID has done its thing and you're all being traumatized and displaced and disenfranchised and people are not even coming to church anymore and people don't know they're Arthur or Martha, people are flinching and people are wearing masks and people, but really people, it's not a laughing matter actually because people have been traumatized by this ugly thing that happened to us and it was more than just the disease, amen? So through the prophet Isaiah, he says, despite the oppression, the confusion, the separation from everything that you knew as your normal cultural lifestyle, forget that stuff, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, I'm encouraging you, he's even saying, don't even, don't even bring up the good old days, how it used to be. Forget the good, the bad, the ugly. Forget that and bring yourself into the now. He was encouraging them to forget the past and not to focus or fixate on the days of glory, how great things used to be. Because he's saying basically, I'm doing a new thing. You're going to be in a new season. After all said and done, you're going to be in a new season. And I believe the Lord would say, I was right there. The Lord would say to you, I was right there with you throughout the pain. And I do believe the Lord at this time is redeeming our life through this redemption of our life, even from the past. And I believe it to be true. The Lord will go into people's past, redeem the time that they spent in oppression, confusion, and fear in that last season. And it's so important to know that that time wasn't wasted. Joel 2.25 says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. We must never forget God is an eternal God. He lives in eternity, outside of time, not constrained by our linear timeline. God who was and who is and who was to come. Revelations 1.8, the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 1.8, he can enter our timeline when he wants. Our God is a redeemer. Remember, the past is not the standard by which God desires us to measure the future. He wants us to get a fresh vision for the future, not encumbered, not in debt to the past by even the good things, the very good things, in fact, of the past, because even those things can distort the vision that he has for you for the future. This is what God was telling to the nation of Israel, and this is what God is telling us. Hence, the vision builders again, we could have easily rolled over into the program called Vision Builders, but we had to determine we shouldn't be living off our glory days of how thus far we got here. We should assert ourselves into the now and declare ourselves, Lord, we're up for the new thing. 
We're up for the new commitment to the house of God. And I believe that's where it was with the vision builders this year. Are we committed to the house of the Lord? Are we committed to the harvest? Are we committed to, to, the, to the gospel message? So, because truly, 40 million people have not come back to church in America. 40 million people have given up on the church. Now, disclaimer, a lot of those people may not have been really living in the now time. They were traditionally, unfortunately in America, it, it, well not unfortunately because in America it's part of their culture to have a church on the corner and to maybe grow up in church for a while. But the born again version that we know, the spirit filled living by faith in the now, uh, there, there's not... Um, yeah, that is not overly representative, uh, as you would imagine. So yes, when they get up at the Logies, I want to thank God, and I want to thank my mom, and you know, uh, you know, it's it, it, it can be a bit like that, where they're not really, not really uh, born again, even. So I believe this that we and I believe with the prophetic that somehow we are in this jubilee period and everything oh I need to crunch this everything that we okay so jubilee jubilee is 49 years uh, 7 years shemitah years 7 times 7 is 49 this is the jewish law of course jewish culture uh on the 50th year these things were returned back to uh, the people of God. It was a law that it was a period when everything was returned to the people of God, meaning the personal family land that had been lost was returned to the original owners in the Jubilee. That would have been great for my family in Wales because when my grandfather was killed um, down at the local village, um, my grandmother had her land taken off her rural farmland, taken off her. Um, and it was an injustice that, you know, that they lived with. So if they had a, a time of jubilee, this would have happened. The personal family land that had been lost was returned to the original owners in the jubilee. When the people had submitted themselves or when people had submitted themselves as slaves, they were freed at that time of Jubilee. Because if you're in debt, you could offer yourself as a slave to pay your debt off, that's right. It was a time when families returned to their rightful inheritance. See, I believe this, this stuff, they say, they say that this could be a decade of Jubilee. That we're gonna take, the things that we gave ourselves to as slaves to the world, this is the time right now that we can reclaim it. It was a time when everything was set back upright and in order again. Leviticus 25 verse 10 says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants, and it shall be a jubilee for you, for each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. So they're saying the church has entered a jubilee period where restoration is coming in as many areas, in, even in the world cu culture, meaning 
that what the church has traded off to the culture in the last 50 years, we're taking back. We traded off the Ten Commandments. We traded off prayer in the schools. You know what I mean? When I went to school in the 60s, we did the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. I'm eight or nine years old. Going, wow, what's this about? It sounds great, but I'll remember it. And I've remembered it all my days. You know what I mean? But no, let's, we, we, so what did we do as a society? We conceded all the God value of our Judeo-Christian life. We, we conceded it and we gave it until the church was left sort of reduced into a little subculture group. But you know what's happening now in Jubilee? You know, Roe and Wade, I think, was overturned. Roe and Wade, that thing that was like 50 years ago. They, you know, they took prayer out of the schools. They took the Ten Commandments out. Things, and, and here's another thing. The church traded off its kingdom mentality for uh, a clever church a clever church presentation, let's just say that. I've got to be careful what I say. We got too clever doing church and we traded off the kingdom. Ooh. We traded off the kingdom. We traded off the fear of God and we, we began to fear man in the church even. And man was to be feared. In the church, and so we had the boys' club syndrome, and ah, I shouldn't go there. It, it's politics that the new people shouldn't have to be burdened with. But I do want to explain that the ecclesia has entered a time period where we no longer concede our culture of the kingdom of God to the kingdom of the world, but rather, rather influence the world towards restoration and Scripture. Amen. For the Bible says, Romans 8, 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the fear of God. I need to do this properly, but I want to get to the prayer, and I'll just say the prayer. We've, there's been a great exchange, a great exchange, and it's happened through culture, and it's happened through our society, and it's happened by the influences over our life. I'm talking about governments. I'm talk, talking about media. I'm talking about health authorities. They have induced a spirit of fear. But we should be regulated by the spirit of God, the fear of the Spirit of God. Let me get this straight. The fear of the Lord has been replaced by the spirit of, of fear. Now, just quickly, my time is gone. I need to put up that just to help some people because for a newcomer, what? The fear of the Lord. All right, let me go to a movie. Uh, a medieval scene, castle, there's a king. I'm talking about the 17th century, 16th century. And, and there's this procession of leaders and, uh, you know, leaders in, in this, this temple and or castle. And, but there's this king and there's, re, there's this reverence. People are quiet. And you, you've seen the scenes. The back doors open and in comes the, 
you know, that person that needs to present himself to the king. And there's absolute honor, absolute respect. And usually the king is sitting up there, you know, who's this peasant, you know, before me? What have you got to say? And uh, it's a little bit like that. It's this respect and awe that we should have for God. And I want to say this, that we need to push out that spirit of, of fear that the world's given us. That's why I get upset with Julie trying to get me to drive exactly to the speed limit on the road. I'm not going there. Guys, I'm not doing that. How far am I? You know, I'm just not that guy to be jittery about worrying about the exact speed limit. I'm not worried if I get pulled over, in fact. Well, if I get pulled over, you know, so be it. But I'm not that jittery about driving around. I find driving a total release of my spirit to engage the wild blue yonder of traveling. Julie, be careful. Do you, do you know? That's a crazy. Do you know? Yes, I know it's 80K. Yes, I know it's 50. Yes, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. It, I just know. But, but I am very, I am very resistant to being triggered to be fearful, even by any news. When I was a psych nurse, I was 17, and this big, I won't go there, big incident happened, big raucous incident happened. Anyway, it'd be a fun story to tell one day. And, and the older, the older, the older uh, nurse said, wow, how are you so cool, man? Because I was amongst it, like thrown to the ground and rolling around with this psychotic person anyway, after having a cup of tea poured over my head and uh, and uh, I said man you're so cool but I just had this I, I just had this constitution within me that that would would like to take things in its what, what, what could I say would like to take things in my own time and not be triggered to shock or, or fear. And I know that's changed for a lot of people. So we need to deal with that fear, whatever it is, the fear of man. Fear trying to dominate us, manipulate us, to believe, to think, to, to live our life worried. Can I just say, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is pure and clean, and it is part of holiness, is a manifestation of His Spirit. Psalm 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Do you like that? Enduring forever. And 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I just know God's for me. No matter what assails me, no matter what 
tries to shock me. I know my God is going to preserve me and give me the wherefore to deal with it. That's, that's basically my, my stand on the subject. So, Father, we must start a new season in, the, in this place, I believe. I'm trying to round it up now by saying, Lord, we need to exchange the spirit of fear that wants to dominate, manipulate, and control even our nation, our city, people's lives, and come back to the foundation of the holiness and the reverence of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And once we have that deep understanding of that, Jesus becomes so much more real. The fear of the Lord is what keeps everything else off the seat of the heart, the seat of our heart as an idol, and keeps him firmly seated there, Jesus on the altar of our heart. The fear of the Lord is what keeps our perspective holy. The fear of the Lord is really the foundation of understanding the love of God because the fear of the Lord is what keeps us balanced in our understanding of what the love of God is all about. And can I just say this? It's so easy to slip into cheap grace, meaning that He'll cover it, but we got to realize we got to repent sometimes and we got to depend on grace in in way more of a respectful way than probably what we do the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding you've heard that and i want to teach about this later but it does keep us balanced in interpreting the days we live in what does this mean today for the church? It means to come before the Lord afresh, anointed by Him in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That we would come to Him, that we would glorify His name, that we would regard Him as Leviticus says, that we would regard Him as holy as we behold Him for who He is. Not the image, not the image of what we think He is. That is what the King desires for us in returning to Him today. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is not looking over your shoulder, worried about God catching you out. Walking in the fear of God does not mean you are cringing in fear, waiting for God to get you for something. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the knowledge of Him. And if I was to give you a whole bunch of scriptures, uh, we, could, we could definitely give you a definition and it might be like this, uh, the definition, the fear of the Lord means, and I hope they got this up, tell me when they do, the fear of the Lord means a continual awareness of the presence of God and your accountability to Him, which affects every attitude and action in your life. Does that sound good? It doesn't mean you have a cringing fear of God, but it does mean that you are continually aware of His presence, and that awareness of His presence naturally affects everything that you do. 
Psalm 89 verse 7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by those who, 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 those around him. And I have a prayer for you. If you have a moment, and it is dealing with the spirit of, of uh, the fear that's in the world, the fear of man, any fear that you have, this prayer is a powerful prayer, and I'll finish with that. And when we get that up, Father, let me know when this, this prayer comes. Let's all say together, Father, I thank you for speaking to me through your word. I desire both the manifestation in my personal life of the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and I, I desire it to be my corporate life as a local church draws together in fellowship and worship, that the fear of the Lord would be my foundation that it would be my guiding spirit, that I would see beyond the way the earth sees, beyond the way the culture sees, and would see your glory, character, and nature manifested in the earth. I pray and believe that the fear of the Lord would be manifested through us in our gatherings, in, in our worship. I declare that I am exchanging the spirit of fear that the enemy has tried to sow into my life our culture, our churches, into people's destiny to stop them from what God has for them and what He has for them in the future for the fear of the Lord. Father, I rip out the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I declare right now prophetically that I rip out by the roots the spirit of fear in my life and in the people's lives in my local church. Be removed in the name of Jesus. Now, now, Father, let your spirit of the fear of the Lord enter and replace and fill up all those places where the spirit of fear of man and the things of this world once existed. Fill them up to overflowing with the fear of the Lord, with the reverential respect, the awe of knowing who you are. Bring us back into the place of remembrance, not only of what you have done, but who you are and what you shall do the greater things that you shall do. Father, we say our heads are looking up. Our eyes are looking up to the new thing, that you are doing what we shall see in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Someone enjoyed that. Jesus was saying, look up. It's not four months more, you know. It's not four months more. It's not tomorrow. The presence is here. Jesus was, also, was, was, was saying to them, it's now. The harvest is now. It's now. The presence, he's an he's a, he's a ever-present help now. And when you have the fear of God, knowing that what you do, what you say, what you touch, that the presence of God surrounds you, and you are honestly trying to uh, you know, respect Him and honor Him, it will pull you up from a lot of stuff that you try and do when you have the fear of God. But when you take out the fear of God, which is Isaiah uh, chapter 11, it's, it's one of the spirits that was on Christ. When you look at that verse 1 and 2, it's one of the spirits. So when you fill with the spirit, you should have a spirit of the fear of God on you. Did you get that? Spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of might, there's seven spirits there that you can get when you're anointed. And then that in that, you should have the, 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 the spirit of the fear of God. Did that make sense?
Because if you just reduce God to the pleasantries of religion, ah, it doesn't work nowhere near as good. It doesn't work. You don't extrapolate the, the goodness out of the kingdom. You're just merely in religion. Just being a goody two-shoes. Amen. So, Father, let's all stand. God bless you. Father, we come before you in the house of God. I believe that there's people here that are just feeling like, man, the world's had its way with me. It's induced some fear into me even through the the news items and the regulations, even health regulations and whatever. And they've got me me nervous. They've got me a bit anxious and they've got me even fearful. I don't want to be like that. I want you to be my ever-present help, Lord. I want you to be there for me. Lord, I I do want the fear of God. I want to highly respect you. I, I want to revere you. I want to stand in awe of you when I come to church and worship you. I want to stand in awe of you. And I want to lift holy hands and magnify your name in the assembly of the gathered, just as the Bible says. When we magnify your name, well, you can do that with a little bit of gusto, a little bit of intention through the, the limbs of your hands, you know, through, through that, ah, you know, come on, come on, you know, lift those hands, not just, no, man, there's an expression. God wants to emanate you. Animation. God in you, animating you to lift holy hands, to pray, to worship, to clap. This is all about you being on fire for God. You've got to come along. You've got to allow your body to respond to the reverence of God. You would. If some dignitary was here, you'd be, oh, okay, gee, better make sure. I'm all, oh, hang on. Gee, whiz, I wish I had a haircut this week. I did actually, amen. You'd be, you'd be coming in here. If I said, if I said, Brad Pitt is going to be here today. All the ladies would go, oh my God, help me. Tom Cruise. George Clooney, all right. George Clooney is going to be our guest speaker next week. Let's all close our eyes, Father in heaven. We're we're not cringing. We're not anxious. We feel your love. Your love surrounds us. Your love casts out all fear. I feel your unbridled, impassioned, loving, wonderful, pure, love for me and Lord in that I approach you and I say God thank you for this extraordinary extraordinary presence of your love that surrounds me Father right now I I just pray that you would give me an understanding of that great love unto my heart Lord, I I open the door to my life. I open the door of my heart to you right now. I open the door of my heart. Lord, I'm I'm allowing you to come in gently, lovingly, mercifully, graciously. Holy Spirit, 
measure out your love to the people of God here right now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord, believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, lives at the right hand of the Father, and that He indeed is living and praying for you personally. And He's whispering your name. And He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me. All you are weary and waylaid. And I will give you rest for your soul. Trust me. Learn from me. I'm going to give you rest from the burden of sin, from the burden of the struggle of life. I'm going to give you rest from trying to work it out yourself. I'm going to give you rest and peace in your soul. So if there's anyone in the house that feels that they just need to say, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I believe you. I tra- every, every eye closed. I believe in you. And I do trust in you. And I do want your love. We call it salvation. Salvation unto Him. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your shepherd, your protector. He becomes the one who wraps around His love all the days of your life. If that's you, if you feel to say yes to Jesus this morning, this might be a first time. This might be a recommitment. But I want to say to you, I have a short prayer for you. With eyes closed in the house, would you put your hand up on the count of three? Everyone's praying in the house. One, you're tired of struggling. You're trying to do it. You're tired of doing it your own way. Tired of doing it in your own strength. Two, everyone's praying in the house. You know you need a Savior. You know you need a loving Savior. And now's the time on the count of three right now. Just put your hand up. If that's your friend next to you, tell them what moment they're standing in right now. Yes, from the front to the back, from this side, yes, that hand. Any others? Any others? Down the back, down the front, this side to this side. Yes, and any others? You want to be included in this prayer? Yes, another one. Any others that want to be included in this short prayer? Right where you stand, right where you are, just lift your hand and say, Jesus, I have faith for you. Yes, praise God. And yes, again at the back. Wow. All right, this is maybe a recommitment. You've lost the fear of God. You've treated God with, with some sort of complacency. You lost your fear. And you want to say, Jesus, forgive me that I've lost that, that understanding of the reverence and awe I have that I should have. six people but I, I, I do want I do want you to come out would your friend bring you out I just want you to come out and do this because it's a bit like walking down the altar when you get married but would you do this just just come on out bring your friend gather them bring them gather them Jacob you can bring your brother if you want bring them gather them bring them and I want to just quickly pray over them yes bring your friend yes this one 
Can, can you walk out with her? Can you walk out with her? Friends, bring your, bring your friends with her. That's awesome. Now this is a prayer of recommitment. This is a special time, a powerful time. If you should be here, come right now. If you want your friend to bring you out, get them to bring you out. That's awesome. This is the most amazing time of your life. This is the most important thing that you can do. God's knocking on the door of your heart. The Lord's knocking on the door of your heart. This is what it's about, guys, salvation. Australians need Jesus. Your friends and ours, they need Jesus. That's so good. That's good. She's giving her life to the Lord too. Just come out, just come into the squash into the little group here. Yeah. Everyone's praying in the house. The Bible, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So with this prayer that I will offer that you will recite after me, I believe the Holy Spirit will come into your life and you will become born again. Your spirit will come alive to God. You will be energized by the love of God. Your sins will be forgiven. Your past will be dealt with. All the condemnation will be dealt with. The shame will be dealt with. Bible says you'll become a new creature in Christ. You'll become this new person in Christ. You'll feel like heaven is singing your praises. You'll feel like the sun is shining on you daily. You'll feel like the presence of God is wrapped around you. So with that, I've got a prayer. And it goes like this. Say this prayer after me. Father God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin. Rose on the third day, lives at the right hand of the Father and is praying for me, interceding for me. Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. I turn my back on darkness, on doubt, unbelief, and I look to the way, to the truth, and to the life of Jesus Christ. I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. I'm bound for heaven. But in the meantime, Lord, would you bless me all my days? Would you bless me? My future and my hope is in you, Lord. I trust in you. I believe in you. My future and my hope is in you. Lead me. I revere you. I respect you. I stand in awe of you. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Protect me. Provide for me. 
preserve me. Bless me. I reject the spirit of fear off my life. I reject it off my life. And I receive the awe and the wonder of the fear of God. A respect and an awe of who you are, God. Jesus. Now, I just want you to, some God's doing something right here, right now. Just, Jesus. Lord, I want you to bring my life into your time. Your now time. I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in the present. Lord, I want you to visit those areas of my life in the past where I've been hurt, where I've been betrayed. Jesus, I give you permission to heal my life, to recover my life. Because your word says, you are my redeemer. Would you redeem me, Lord, from the consequence of everything that has hurt me and caused me displeasure? Now, because God is outside time, He can go back into your timeline. And I believe even right now, He's bringing healing, He's bringing redemption. And he's bringing healing to that area of your life where you seemingly have had the burden of baggage in your life that's held you back. Now, we know what it means to have baggage when you go into a marital arrangement. It's not a great day when you realize, oh my Lord, I didn't realize my partner had so many bags. But the great thing is God has the power to rid you of the baggage of yesterday. If only my father would have known that when he lost his father when he was eight years of age a tragic accident I wish my father would have known that the Lord could have redeemed redeemed him from that trauma I sense some of you are being beckoned by the decade of Jubilee for your debts to be cancelled and for what belongs to you to be returned to you right now in the power of Jesus name And I believe there are things